Hey, welcome back to the podcast. You're here with Kevin, and I'm here with my producer, Stacy. And uh, we're about to answer some more of the viewer questions. And uh, we thank you all for listening and checking us out. Uh, share this stuff to anybody I think might want to hear it. We appreciate you listening. And uh, we're going to jump right in. And uh, so you got some questions for me. Okay, the first question is, uh, why religion was created, and where does it come from? Why Christ, uh, Why religion was created, mm-hmm. and where did it come from? Mm-hmm. Ooh-wee. Well, as far as I researched, much as my research, I'd say that the... The life of Jesus, the life of Jesus from a child, um, everything that, so basically everything Jesus was taught was, it was from prophets of old time who already practiced Judaism. So it's like they had a religion that they was comfortable with. They was comfortable with Judaism because Judaism worked for them. So this means that their prophets already was functioning and everything in Judaism for them was already working before Jesus was even born. And so then, so you have religion which is basically relate it's giving you something to relate to and so it related to them just fine so they have something to relate to so you have religion then when jesus is born he is promoted by the prophets so you got to remember that uh, it was the prophets who came to Joseph, which was Jesus's uh, stepfather or the person that raised him and claimed him as his son. It was Joseph that the prophets had already put into the mind of Joseph that one day a child will be born and he was going to be uh, this Messiah individual, the savior. The prophets are the one who put that into Joseph's mind. And so then uh, it's like, what was it? Jesus was not. So you got to remember that Jesus was not responsible for his teachers who taught him. So what you got to do is you got to go back and put yourself in a mind frame like this is a child. This is a young child being taught Judaism. It is not his fault if he was taught this belief system that was already established before him. And so then, um, later on when he gets 30 some odd years old, he starts to question things. Like, wait, something is wrong. This doesn't sound right. This doesn't, can I question my own belief? And then, Old age Judaism fights him back. And it's a misunderstanding. You see what I mean? It's like he's, um, it's almost like 
he's against, it's almost like he's awakening because he's getting older and he's seeing the flaws and seeing the things that are wrong in this belief system. So he starts to question it. And we all know in modern day time, when you start to question things that are a belief system, it becomes, they automatically assume that you're an enemy or you're against it, according to who you're dealing with. If you're dealing with professors and stuff that do this for a living in theology and stuff, they have a different next level way of communicating with you. So they won't be so offensive off the bat. They'll listen to what you have to say and, and, and absorb it. Uh, but then you have those who do not have that ability so much to absorb what you say and they just automatically assume there's something wrong with you or you're against the belief or that you're a problem. And, uh, but the most important thing to remember too is that in Matthew, um, in Matthew, in the New Testament, in Matthew 24, 36, um, that the prophets, this is why you can't trust no prophet. Because it says right there in 24, in Matthew 24, verse 36, that no man knows the time or the hour. And so, and that is referring to no man, um, no angels, uh, no one but the Father, which when they say Father, they're referring to the Creator, which was not seen, was not a man, or was not a human of any form. And uh, just refer to us, Father, that art in heaven. So therefore, uh, are you putting a prophet before the Father who's in heaven? You are if you're relying upon these prophets, because this is proof. No prophet is going to be above the angels of God. Okay? So therefore, when these people say they're prophesying on stuff, we know for a fact that these are not true. Now, man's ways can be predicted, and that's why you have astrology. So we understand mastering mankind, but you cannot uh, predict what will come, but you can put into perspective what might happen. So you can say, this is what might happen because you're human. Because you're going to make a human mistake or a human flaw. That puts you into a category. But then you that's not prophesying. So it's misunderstood when people say, well, we're prophesying. We're telling you for a fact that a child, a child will be born and his name will be Jesus and he will be the Savior. This was their religion. This was they were telling Joseph. And... So therefore, you have something that people relate to. Now, remember, everybody relating to Judaism. So now that's religion for people. Then Jesus comes. So when Jesus dies on the cross. Then you have a. Everyone who followed Judaism under Jesus now will question Judaism. So then you have multiple religions from that point that is created because everyone who believed in Jesus is now going to question Judaism because until this day it's him questioning the belief and standing up for what he believed in that got him killed.
So therefore, it's kind of like his death created multiple religions, but it did not create religion. But his death created multiple belief systems because what it did was it left people out here with creating things that they can relate to. Now I'm going to create something I'm comfortable with. You know what? I can relate to that. So his death created multiple religions, but it did not create religion in itself because Judaism was already an established religion. And uh, so uh, where did the, uh, you said where did the religion come from and how it was created? So yeah, that's yes. how it was created. Uh, it was created through uh, beyond Judaism and Judaism was just basically around the time where we got Jesus coming. But it was beyond that too, all the way back in ancient times. And then you have, um, and but that's how the word religion part of it came from too. So you got the religion and then you got, uh, uh, it was created specifically in a way to let people know, hey, um, it's like, you have a reason. So you say, why would you, why would you create it in general? And so it's like fear of change. So, you know what, we have something that works. Okay. So we don't need you coming along, whether you're Jesus or not, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're coming along and you want to change what we're doing, you're a threat to us because what we have works. And when people start to question stuff, like nowadays, they call it the woke culture. There's nothing wrong with you being awakened to things that have been hidden in front of you for decades. Now you are awakened to what's going on. So for a person to attack you, it's no different than what they did to Jesus when he became woke to what Judaism was. And when he became woke to what Judaism was, they killed him. And it's the same thing that is happening today in the United States with the um, uh, woke people. It's like, oh, you've been awakened to these truths, not these lies. You've been awakened to these truths. But now I don't like you because you're woke to them. That makes no sense. They can't manipulate them no more. Exactly. But if you look at it from this perspective, oh, it already happened before. This is not new. Once you become awakened, you become an enemy to what? An established belief. Not an enemy to everyone, but you become an enemy to an established belief. You see what I mean? Because you will no longer be manipulated, which the definition of manipulation is to be led by the hand. That means someone else, hey, wait, let me teach this to you how I see it. That's manipulation. That's what's been happening in religion for decades. And people are awoken now. Like, you know what? Can I take that book and, and get my own perspective? Uh, yeah, but you can't get up here and preach it, though. Well, what do you mean? When you preach it, you're giving it to me from your perspective. So if I trust your perspective, that's you leading me by the hand. Because I'm trusting what you're saying. You're guiding me. That is manipulation in itself. That's why they say, I will be careful who you follow. No, follow yourself. 
You see what I mean? Because you can trust yourself. You see what I mean? And if you're lucky enough to find you a preacher out there that you're comfortable with, then that's okay. You see what I mean? But don't let nobody um, guide you to the point. Don't make nobody make you, don't let nobody make you feel bad. For instance, like they were telling us about heaven and hell. Like, no. Well, do anybody want to hear a preacher say, I'm going to burn in hell? Are <laughs> you going to burn in hell? <laughs> so it's like, no, you don't want to do that. But you would rather listen to Joel Osteen say, you know, just make better choices in life. You know, be a good person. You see what I'm saying? He's a comfortable. You see what I'm saying? It's comfortable to listen to him. Yeah. And like T.D. Jakes and people like that. But uh, there's some of the other preachers like still preaching hell, fire, and brimstone. Yeah, you're not going to want to. You know, that is basically like. Style fear. Yeah, it's like, a, you know, like. Uh, but that's basically a form of manipulation. But uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. What's your question number two? Uh, number two, uh, why do some religious people put their belief off on others? Say it one more time. Why do some religious people put their beliefs off on others? Why do some religious people put their beliefs off on others? Okay, so what I say is that, uh, first of all, the most important thing to remember is that your religion, no matter which one you've chosen, whether you want to be a Christian, whether you want to be a Buddhist, whether you want to uh, Islam, uh, whichever you want to practice, that is your free will choice to do so. And in the United States, it uh, in the Constitution has religious freedom. So that is your right to have whatever belief you want in this country. Now, the predominant religion in this country is Christianity then it's multiple branches of Christianity. As far as you got the Pentecostals and then the Protestants and then the Anglicans and then the Roman Catholics and then the, you say it's not stopped. So you have 20 different Christian groups. So that's why it's so predominant because it's like, we want you to have the morals, uh, which is how to act. We want you to have Christian morals and principles because we feel like in the United States, these Christian morals and principles have helped set the United States on track to where it is now. Basically, without these morals and principles of Christianity, they never would have been somebody like what President Lincoln saying, oh, well, let's give black people, uh, uh, let's, let's not have these black people in slavery. It, it doesn't seem right. And at that time, people still was like, well, no, no, let's keep them. You see what I mean? Enslaved. Christian people. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? So it's like at the end of the day, these people are believing. And so this is why this man is going to say, well, this doesn't make sense for us to say all men are equal under God. But we kept these people in there like animals and, and treat them like slaves. Something is not right here. And so at the end of the day, uh, your your belief, your choice is personal, and uh, uh, it is a personal thing. So, uh, whether you choose to have one, the most thing that I see that bothers me is that uh, everyone is picking. Well, a lot of people—I don't want to say everyone—but a lot of people are picking 
from the choice of religions. But what I've learned to do is to think for myself. No one told me that I had to choose. And that's when I realized, okay, I can actually be a free individual mentally. I can be free to think what I want because no one told me I had to choose. But that is easy to let society kind of make you feel pushed into picking one. Well, Christianity, I know, says that you you got to believe. In the, yeah, that's the uh, threat it poses. It's like poses a threat. The Trinity. Yeah. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit to get to heaven. Yeah, that's it. And so it, it was a battle between a lot of preachers who joined the church didn't agree with the Trinity. And then they finally came to an agreement on the Trinity because you're basically saying at one point, well, Jesus is God. And then the other person is saying, well, no, Jesus is not God. Mm-hmm. And then he's so. And if he's a man, then you worship a man. Exactly. You worship a man. And so then multiple times in the Bible, um, Jesus says, no. I am not God. You see what I mean? And he says multiple times when he looks up, when he's hanging on the cross, he says, why hast thou forsaken me? He's specifically saying he's talking to someone outwardly of himself. He is saying that I am not God. I don't know why I'm up here. He says I'm on this cross right now. You see what I mean? What did I do wrong? You know what I mean? And so. Because he was trying to wake people up. Exactly. He was trying to wake people up to, to let them know what was going on and uh, to let them know in a, in a, in a broader perspective. It's like he was trying to let them know, you know what? Mankind is learning mankind. So I can't be above you. I say that what I'm saying is fact. And so that's why I believe that all beliefs of anything unseen, which is gods and spirits and angels and beliefs, it is all uh, based on a hypothesis. And now you have, which is an educated guess. So a person can say, well, based off my educated guess, this is what I believe is happening. So that's why I'm like, when people get to see that they don't have to trust in anybody's educated guess on what's happening in an unseen world, then you'll be free, truly free. You see what I mean? Because you are truly free to think and function how you choose. You see what I mean? And, and so it's like, um, and so um, being closed-minded, uh, being closed-minded is also believing that your, your, like your religion dominates over everybody. And that's something that happens a lot of times. Because there's a lot of networks in the United States that's trying to push it around the world. And it's like, well, hey, you should become this, you should become that. Well, first of all, it was already pushed from the east to the west to begin with. So what are we doing now? Trying to push it back to the west? You see what I mean? It's already uh, uh, where the people in India went through it with Gandhi, pushing Christianity upon them. And then over in Africa, pushing Christianity upon them. Then selling over to the west. And then... You got, it's like it never stopped. All these years and years and years, over 400 years 
of trying to push this religion on people or push this belief. But I don't actually believe it was a religion that they were pushing on the people. I believe what they was trying to push on the people was just the morals. That's it. And it's basically trying to tame a human. So for those people that believe that uh, humans are connected to animals in some way because of their canine teeth, then you could say that to take a, what is it, domesticizing an animal? So you take an animal from the wild and you domesticize it, right? And that's making it uh, used to being around humans. Okay, yeah. So they were, you're acting like an animal. Okay. You're acting like a um, caveman. What is that? Um, Neanderthal. Neanderthal, yeah. You're acting like a, yeah. You, you have to blend in with us to function as a society. It's like what they're saying. So the only way that they know to make you function with everybody else is this Christianity. And so this makes them feel like our morals and standards are the best for you to live by. So please, everybody live by our stuff. That's why I want everybody to be on one accord with one religion. Exactly. That's where that old saying, one world order, came from. That was not some devil thing or Illuminati stuff. What they mean by one world order is one world order of principles and morals. They want everybody to have the same morals and principles. This is why in other countries they're saying, hey, you should not treat your people like that. It's right in front of us. You see what I mean? And so, so I think that a lot of it is just, it gets misunderstood and, and mistaught really badly. And, uh, and so that's one of the real reasons that uh, if you want respect as a Christian, then you should have respect for any Muslim. If you want respect as a Muslim, you have respect for any Buddhist. You can't say, hey, your morals are different than I don't like you. No, it's not your place to say you don't like his way of life. Where he come from, his way of life works for him. And so, therefore, it's like taming humans on how to function amongst each other. And we believe, uh, being a, uh, from a Christian perspective, a person could say that as a Christian, I believe that my beliefs, morals, and standards are really good. So you should join us. But have you ever took the time out to study other people's morals and their principles? You know what I mean? So that's kind of, um, you know, that's, uh, um, and uh, what was the question again? Why people force their religion on other people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of why they force themselves because they've been taught one way by their family. This is what God is. This is what spirits is. This is what devils are. This is what demons are. This is what this is. The problem is, that is how their parents were taught what it is. And so at the end of the day, it's like uh, every person uh, has their own way that they've been taught how things are. And so therefore, when that's being done, um, it's easy for someone to say, well, hey, uh, my, my way is the right way. Or, or do you believe the same thing I believe? Or you don't? Well, you're, you're part of the problem. 
because you don't believe in the same thing I believe in. And, you know, it's just not true. There is no problem there because you can have morals and standards and characteristics without uh, being in someone's religion. And so that's basically what it comes down to. And uh, I think that a lot of it, like I said, a lot of it has to do with misteaching. And there was a lot of stuff that was misunderstood in the Bible. And I want to touch on this one thing about that. In that uh, it was taught like a global punishment is how the preachers teach it, which is severely wrong. It is not a global punishment. I want to clear that up right now. That if you open your Bible to Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, verse 22 through 24. And you'll see that it's talking about uh, all who have sinned. This is what the preachers teach wrong. The preachers say, all have sinned and felt short of the glory of God. The way they preach it is like all humanity have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And that is wrong. Let me show you why. It says in Romans, the epistle of Paul wrote to the Romans specifically. The epistle, the epistle, the definition of pistol is letter. So it's the letter Paul wrote to the Romans specifically for the Romans. And it was only for those fresh new Christians in Rome, which was a minority in Rome. And so this was for them. All have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. It was not talking about all mankind. It was talking about those Christians because once you become a believer in Christ, you have accepted and became a part of the sin that they are putting, that they are teaching. And so that's why I'm like, no, you have became a part of this religion. And if this religion is teaching you that you were born a sinner, then that's a religion you chose to free will go under. A lot of us was born into it. We learned it. I myself was in it for a long time until I learned myself to understand other things and open my mind to understand other things. And then I was free from that, um, free from that, um, that form of manipulation or a person kind of being able to control you with controlling how you think about things and things like that. And so, because you can go throughout your whole life feeling like you're not qualified for God. That's what that does. That broad saying, all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. No, they have not. In Romans, it does not say that. It says all of those new Christian Romans have fell short. And that is upon them to redeem themselves and their religion that they chose to join in. But I just wanted to clear that up. But uh, what's... Um, uh, no, you got another question. Another question. Third question. Uh, how did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Say it one more time. How did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? How did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I say my opinion on that. Now, I just want people to think about it like this. Think about it from this perspective that he was dead for four days, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And so what I want people to think about is this. Today, people have figured out what comas are. Now, coma is a body that's unresponsive for two to four weeks. Two to four weeks. Sometimes they can't even function. Their throats can't move. Uh, they can't cough. They can't function. And their body will be in this coma state for weeks. So what I want you to consider in that, uh, to answer that question, is that consider that it was a coma then. Modern day people know what a coma is. These doctors know what a coma is. Back then, they may not have known what a coma was. So what uh, Jesus is saying, Jesus said specifically that, no, he's not dead. He's asleep. That's what he said. He said he's asleep. Now, maybe Jesus uh, seen that the life wasn't gone out of him yet. You see what I mean? Where he's like, wait a minute, this man is, you see what I'm saying? He's not, he's not responsive, but he's also not cold. He's not dead. Something is wrong here. I don't know what's wrong, uh, but he, he looks like he's asleep. But in a coma, that's what you're in a, a, a um, almost like a, uh, yeah, like the person is in a dream state of mind, kind of like where they're sleeping because their body, their heart is still beating, but they're not functioning. And so I want you to consider that um, he didn't actually raise him from the dead. He was just basically, um, he knew for a fact he wasn't dead. <laughs> and so that's why he said, he said he's not dead, he's asleep. But I think that back then they may not even know what comas was yet. And now since we know what comas are, that man could have been in a coma. And uh, you got another question? Um, does religion cause codependency? Does religion cause codependency? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I believe that if the person is not careful, one thing I want to say is everybody's mind is not the same. And it's so important that we know that. Because in the Bible, it talks about being there for the feeble-minded and the fatherless. And what I mean when it, what I believe it means when it says fatherless is that it's saying that be there for the feeble-minded and those who may have lack um, guidance. So, like, say, for instance, you wanted to be there for the fatherless child. Isn't it? This is how you be there for the fatherless, for the fatherless child in modern-day America, or the United States, in the modern-day world, around the whole world. This is how you, how you be there for a fatherless child. You create a YouTube channel, and the YouTube channel says how to change an alternator on a car. You just taught a young man or a woman how to change the alternator on their vehicle. Something that modern day America makes it seem like, oh, I didn't have a father. I don't know how to do that. And so that's what I mean. So you got a YouTube channel on how to replace a doorknob. Things that some women in America believe men should know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so now... That man can't say, well, I didn't have a father growing up, man. I don't know how to do that. Man, you better go type in YouTube and <laughs> type in how to change a tire. See what I'm saying? <laughs> now you're just being lazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so 
that's to me a modern day way to do what the Bible is saying when it says, be there for the feeble-minded. We have a lot of people that are there for the people that are actually mentally disabled. So we are doing that well in the world today. But it's like, uh, we could be better when it comes to mental health. But I mean, physically disabled, we got more help for them. But mentally uh, ill, we, we lack in that area a lot. And as a country, but, and, uh, but, so, uh, it is, it does create codependency because psychologists tell you to not be dependent upon someone. It's not good to be dependent upon someone. And so it's like, it's not good to be dependent upon an outside um, an outside person or, or thing. So when a person says, you know what? Um, I depend on God for everything. And it's like, well, okay, that's cool. But in a way, if you're not careful, you're sitting there waiting forever. Yes, exactly. You end up waiting forever. And I'm glad you said it because there's something else that I'd like to say about that. Today, a lot of people, uh, I heard some people say that uh, they can't get their, uh, they can't get people to get, people don't want to work and things like that. And they're like, well, people don't want to work. People are, people are just waiting, you know, at home or the United States is allowing people to just collect money and all this kind of stuff. And so I kind of hear those things and I'll be like, are you thinking a little deeper for a minute? How about you've raised these people and you've taught them to pray and you've taught them to pray and wait upon God. And you've been teaching them to pray and wait upon God for half of their whole life. Now, when they quit that job with faith in God, that God is going to come through for them. They pray and they quit that job. You say God gonna have something else for me. God gonna have something else for me. Then all of a sudden, nothing else showed. Nothing else happened. So, when you tell people to pray and wait, and then they do it, and then you say, "Get up and do something." <laughs> <laughs> what What are you doing? You can't say pray and wait. You got to pray and still have action. Come on now. It's people today that say, well, I'm going to pray and wait on it. I want to pray and wait on it. And it's like, it's other people. Like I talk to a lot of people, the people own businesses. And I'd be like, well, you didn't pray and wait, did you? And they'll say, well, you don't know. <laughs> Why would you tell somebody else to pray and wait when you prayed and moved? You prayed and moved, but you're okay with people teaching people to pray and wait. You know praying and waiting is not getting stuff done. But praying and moving, it works. It works. Even if your prayer doesn't answer, you're still moving. The point is you didn't stop moving forward. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? And that's part of the problem, I think. Uh, when it comes to people, um, 
definitely teaching it that way. But yes, the religion, if not careful, it can create a codependency. It is not healthy. Um, that every time you deal with something, you turn externally, you don't deal with it. And if you're not dealing with it, you're not fixing it. You're just saying, oh, don't worry about it. I don't have to fix my issues. God will take care of it. You know what you just did? You basically didn't fix the problem and you left the opportunity for the problem to happen again. Mm-hmm. Because you said, oh, no, don't worry about it. God got it. No. And that's why I really, truly believe that uh, in the beginning of the Bible, that when it talks about on the seventh day, uh, God's work was done in Christianity. It's like, that's what it meant. His work was done. So that means for humans too. So that means that for the rest of your life, you need to put in the work. And guess what? Anything, anything on this earth that you want, you can get it. You got to put in the work. That's it. Just put in the work and get it. And basically, it's not going to magically come, though. But guess what? It's all available. It's all available right there in front of you. Mankind has built so much. And all we have to do is position ourselves to obtain it. That's it. Position ourselves to obtain what we want. And the sky's the limit. You know? And everybody's circumstances is different on how they can position themselves. And now I don't want to get over here and act like that uh, slavery for black people didn't slow them down. Because I want people hearing this to understand, yes, if you are a black person, there's a possibility, not all black people, but there's a possibility that you may start later than others. That you may not get yourself in order until you 40, 45, 50. When the other person had their stuff in order at 30 or 25. That's not your fault. Circumstances were messed up. You grew up in an era where it was things systematically working against you as a black person. And insurance and home ownership. And it wasn't until Obama and stuff that became president that we started learning about some of that stuff. Like homeowners, like it was actually something against home ownership for black people and stuff. Like, what are you talking about? Come on, you didn't even want us to own homes. You didn't want us to, you didn't want us to have life insurance or homeowners insurance and stuff. Come on, man. You see what I mean? So what I'm saying is that a lot of people, uh if they start late, don't 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 um don't let that stop you because long as you get there and so some some people will start later than others and uh it's all of that all of that lack of having so if you was a person that grew up without all that somebody there to tell you every move to make somebody there to help keep you on the right path i understand and you're gonna be the one that had to go through hell first oh uh, and now you see what i'm saying i'm 37 years old now i'm learning it now I'm working on my credit. Now I'm learning about life insurance, homeowners insurance. You see what I mean? Because I had nobody to tell me. You see what I mean? And if you're a person in that under, if a person in that situation, then I understand that because that means you grew up in a, a household that didn't have that. So everybody didn't have that, and that's important to be said because everybody does does not have these perfect homes that they grew up in. 
But for those who did grow up in homes with people that was able to teach you a lot, then that's good and nothing against you. But don't you ever look down on another individual who did not have that guidance and respect where they are. Okay, because you have to respect that they didn't have that. So they may get it later. But the point is they got it. And so, uh, but yeah, it uh, the religion does definitely create a codependency. And if you're not careful, and it is not good to put all your problems off on somebody else, and that's what it has been done. Put it all off on God. Well, now it's time for us to fix it and take responsibility for ourselves. And I believe that that is what the uh, the creation, a creator of life, uh, creator of the universe and all that, uh, would like for us to do. Enjoy the earth and uh, enjoy everything. Be enjoyed and you can't yeah. enjoy it while you're trying to bust your butt trying to gain riches, gain all these riches. Mm -hmm. Because the riches shouldn't be as high as they are anyway. You know what I mean? That Mercedes shouldn't be that much, you know. Bring it down a little bit so I, <laughs> so I can buy one too. <laughs> and so, uh, but that's what I mean, you know. And so, yeah, it's so much. It's like at the end of the day, we just gotta. I think that when they say the work is finished, it's finished, and everything else is upon us. So if we fail as a world, as a country as a state or a city, it's on us. If we succeed, it's on us. If we progress, it's on us. If we fail, it's on us as a people. Not as a race, not as a minority, not as a certain group of people. No. Mankind has controlled what we created to this point, and mankind can also destroy what we created to this point. So it's on us. And that's just how I feel about that. Uh, we thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, don't forget you can send us your questions in. If you go into Fresh Outlook, that's Fresh Outlook 101 at Gmail. And you can actually ask us a question, just like these others have. You send your questions in, we'll answer them for you. Uh, you can also check us out on Facebook at uh, Fresh Outlook, uh, the podcast. You can't miss it because it's pink, and uh, it's pink with green letters. <laughs> it's yeah, all pink background with green letters, Fresh Outlook. And uh, we'll be sure to share this podcast. We appreciate you listening, and we'll be back with another uh, podcast soon. I want to thank my producer, Stacy, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Anything you want to say? Thank you.